What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. That podcast, again, by two brothers from the same mother, giving you their fantasy takes, hits, analysis, and everything in between. As usual, it's your boy Derek here with the older brother, Daryl. Daryl, my man, week one. It's in the books. We got a week of football, a week of data. How you feeling? Man, it felt like, you know, sliding on some fresh new clothes and whatnot, just like taking a nice hot bath, you know, just getting back <laughs> into all the lovely goodness. It was it, it was so great, man. It was so, so great. Um, some not so great stuff happened, but all in all, uh, yeah, man, just just glad that we're back here and we got all this lovely football mess to talk about. Absolutely. One of the funniest tweets I saw was uh, the day before the game, the Saints account, Twitter or X account had posted um, a mood and then a picture of one of the players and they had his clothes lined out like it was the first day of school. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, yes, I love it. Like cultural things mixed in with, with sports. Let's go. I love it, man. Got the fresh fit all laid out for the next day. Right. No, we're going to be fresh. Like, yeah, I love it. (laughs) About to kill them with this. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, hey, um, we're back to kind of our usual kind of thing here. We got our week one recap. Well, we have our usual segment there. We'll get into waivers. And, of course, we'll end the episode with some DBB talk, the brothers bet, where we look at our betting sheet and our results from this past week. But let's get into it. We first start off with wrap that ish up. B, shout out to Dave Chappelle. We back, baby. This is our weekly segment where we wrap up the week of football, what was played, the hits, the highlights, the lowlights, any other notes we felt are important from a fantasy perspective. Let's get it started with the Coast to Coast Showdown. We got the Miami Dolphins coming from the Southeast Coast, traveling all the way to the L.A. Chargers. And bam, this was a game with a lot of points, 36 to 34. Miami takes the dub. We'll start on that Miami side. I'll roll off the stats. Darrell, you hit me with the goodness of what you saw, what you liked. We got two coming in as QB1 this week through 45 passes for 466 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Tyreek Hill, my goodness. Mr. Rattlemouth himself, I'm by you. 11 for 215 and two touchdowns. Good for wide receiver mm-hmm. one on the week. Jalen Waddle was also here with four for 78. Wide receiver 31 on the week, but better weeks will be ahead. And then we'll talk about here Raheem Mostert, kind of the single back back there, or the main back back there, if you will. 10 for 37 on the ground with a touchdown and had two receptions for 13. Daryl, talk to me about these dolphins. Yeah, man. Um, Tua, Tua put me on hush mouth because if you recall back to our talking about this game at the end of last week, I said that he was a borderline fade for me. Mm. Woo, boy, did he make me <laughs> eat that. Um, my man was 98th percentile in EPA, 90th percentile in average depth of target. Like th- this is amongst like since EPA has been a stat sacked zero times without Teron Armstead. I don't know if that speaks more towards Ooh. the Chargers or um or Tua and and that offensive line. 
28.1 fantasy points, like you said, for quarterback one. Like, I was a thousand percent wrong in fading him. I apologize to you, Mr. Tagovailoa, and to you, the listener, because that couldn't have possibly been more wrong. Um, <laughs> Tyreek was a damn beast, as you mentioned. The man had 44% of the targets per pass snap. 44%. That's you know, yeah. on one hand, that's amazing production from him. And on the other hand, I have a bit of an eyebrow raise towards what is going to play out with Mr. Jalen Waddle. I know we can't we can't extract too much from one data point, but he only has 16% of targets per pass snap played, and he only ran 71% of the routes. So mm. um I'm a I'm I'm slightly slightly concerned there you know it's something i'll keep my eye on it's not going to keep him out of my lineup or anything like that but just thinking about the fact that we were having to pay you know kind of late middle to late second to early third round prices for him uh that's a little a little concerning but again it's just one week um last couple notes durham Smythe has my attention in a good way yeah yeah 100% 100% of the routes he was out there for had a 16% target share. That's not that's not too shabby for a tight end. And we'll, we'll circle around to the tight ends later on in the show. But as you all know, you all you fantasy followers, the tight end position was not great this week. So, Jerome <laughs> Smythe has my attention. And lastly, to speak about Mostert, um, he kind of saved his day with a touchdown. You know, he didn't do too, nothing too spectacular. But – Miami only had 20 rushes throughout the day. Five of those came from Tua. So, um, and and Raheem had 10 of those. So, you know, on a percentage basis, he was he was the guy out there, but there just wasn't a whole hell of a lot of production. But he did get into the end zone to kind of to kind of add some uh to add some seasoning to his day. Yeah, I just have two other notes here with Jalen Waddle. I'm not too concerned with him. I mean, even though he only was was in what seventy percent or seventy two percent of routes, you said something like that. Yeah. Um, Tyreek wasn't much higher from that standpoint, and you know, I th- I just think there's going to be days where Jalen will have a day like this, but he'll have another day where he'll get two touchdowns, and I think more or less he'll equal out his draft price. It may just not be a, always a you know, wide receiver one type of performance there. He'll have some booms and he'll have some busts. And then secondly, just from the standpoint of this offense as a whole, like River Craycraft, Durham Smythe, and uh, Braxton Berrios were like key dudes in helping move the ball down the field. And that's just crazy to say, but, you know, it's just one of those things. You're not looking at them from a fantasy perspective, but – they're important for this offense as well. Obviously not as much as Waddle and Hill, but they have some importance here too. Yeah, yeah. It's it was it was a hell of a performance by them, man. And I'm I'm curious to see what's gonna happen with them going forward, especially with New England next week. For sure, for sure. Let's talk about the other side with the Chargers. We have Justin Herbert, 23 for 33 for 288 and a passing touchdown. He also had a QB sneak for a touchdown and gave you 18 yards on the ground. Austin Eckler, King shit, 177 yards rushing with a tutty and 47 yards 
receiving. Is that right? 177? Did I write that down? Yeah, that's, that, that, that okay. was right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, Josh Joshua Kelly. Hello. 16 for 91 in a tutty. In the receiving room, you had Keenan Allen for 76 receiving yards on six receptions. Mike Will, four for 45. And Mr. Parham at the tight end position having a receiving touchdown. Talk to me about the Chargers, my man. Yeah, there's a lot going on with them, man. Um, Justin Herbert was he was just fine, you know. Yeah. Um, the 21 point fantasy days, you'll 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 more or less take that um, on 33 pass attempts, and he got you a rushing touchdown. Um, you know, they they've what what was interesting to see was their pass rush splits: 33 pass attempts versus 40 rushing attempts. Like the Chargers have a rush game now, like. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess you know, this is this is a thing, and it'll, it it remains to be seen if this was a dolphin specific game plan or if this is something that Kellen Moore plans on leaning into because they were they were damn successful uh, doing it. You know, I you can't argue with the results on that front. The offense was not the problem uh, for for them, so um, that'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out as the season goes along. Eckler and Joshua Kelly showed out, you know, combined 208 rushing yards. They both finished as RB1s for the week. Eckler as RB2, Kelly RB12. Like, again, the Chargers did this. That's that's yeah. that's, that's crazy. You know, you just you just didn't see see that coming. So, um, so yeah, that's certainly something to keep an eye on as far as um, well, Eckler, nothing changes for him. We talked about this last week. That man has many outs to put up points every week. But it's a matter of, you know, is is Josh Kelly like a thing now? And we'll we'll get to that uh, later um, in, in, in the program. Um, or should, you know, we be targeting the Miami run D, um, you know, Ramondre, what you got on tap next week? We'll see. Uh, Keenan Allen, solid day. Was out there for 100% of the routes, had a 25% target share, 44% of the air yards. Like, really, really kind of um, dominant performance as far as um, as far as his portion of the the passing game. Mike Will was fine usage wise, especially considering that he missed a little bit of time throughout the game um, to go get checked for a concussion. Um, you know, he had. He had 19% of the targets for the reps that he ran. So that's 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 okay what you drafted him as a wide receiver three anyway. So like that's around, you know, around what, what you would expect. We had a little bit of a mixed bag for the man QJ, uh, Quentin Johnston. He was only out there for 39% of the routes. But when he was out there, he saw 21% of the targets for, on, mm. on his routes. So... This kind of fits in line with what we talked about with him. We're going to have to, you know, he, he he's he's a long play for the yeah. season, right? He, he, he's a long play, and we hope to get that route share up and maybe keep those targets per route run like in that same wheelhouse. But, you know, this was, I think, a good showing um, if you drafted him with that in mind. If you drafted him to play him from week one, yeah, not, not so great. Um, another thing that I was wrong about from our preview shows last week was Gerald Everett. Um, you kind of you kind of pumped the brakes on him last week. I was like, 
man, I think he's like, you know, a, a borderline must start. And Donald Parham is going to be a problem for him. You know, Everett out there for 61% of the routes, Parham out there for 44% of the routes. Yeah. Um, Everett got a target for 14% of the routes that he ran. Parham got a target for 19% of the routes that he ran. So, um, yeah, that's a, that looks like that's not going to be the clearest cut situation going forward because, you know, Parham got the, he got the end zone touchdown and, and whatnot. And I mean, I don't think that that'll necessarily go away due to six foot eight. He's a hell of a target um, in the, in the end zone area. So, um, and we, we probably saw some warning signs for Gerald Everett there. Yeah, and two – well, one of the notes I'll get to later on in the show with Joshua Kelly. But, yeah, with QJ, I think if you drafted him, you had to have been in that mindset that this is not a guy that I'm starting immediately. And if it was a situation where you had to, you know, sorry for your luck. I mean, it's just one of those things. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are here, so – He's not going to overtake either one of those guys, but he's going to mix in, especially on three and four wide receiver sets because he's fourth on the depth chart and Josh Palmer is still there. So for me, be patient with him, um, play the long game, and I think better weeks will come towards the end of the season. Yeah, if it's a situation where you have shallow benches, I can't necessarily blame somebody for wanting to cut him and then like just maybe keeping an eagle eye out for when it might be time to swoop back in to pick him up. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, he's a tough he's a tough hold for short bench um, leagues at, at the current moment. Agreed, agreed. Let's keep it moving to the Monday night game. Monday night football letdown or maybe not. Um, we got we got kind of an exciting game there towards the fourth quarter, but you know, three four plays into the game, we get all the buzz about a Rod him running out with the flag on nine eleven. We had them in hard knocks, and man, first drive goes down, gets tackled, and we now know that it is a torn Achilles. People that I know um, in fantasy and in, in, in a fantasy league that I play in that have torn Achilles looked at it and said, yeah, it looked like he probably did. He probably tore it. And I was like, maybe he did. I don't know. And lo and behold, here we are. But yeah, A-Rod's done for the season. So, you know, now we're looking at Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. Um, as far as his performance in the game, you know, it was what you would probably expect from a backup quarterback coming into the game. So I'm not going to hold the performance against him. He did have a touchdown uh, to Garrett Wilson. That was insanely stupid but um <laughs> yeah i guess before i turn it over to you and your thoughts on this Brees hall is back baby what you got oh yeah yeah um so yeah Brees hall is back if this what this man looks like at 85 percent or or whatever you know the twitter injury doctors um estimate that he's at right now then there is a monster coming round week eight, week nine, week 10. Um, so for all of those people who drafted him with that in mind, some good things are coming your way. He did have me a little nervous watching the game. Like every time he got tackled or whatever, I was, you know, in my in the back of my mind, I was like, get up, get up, don't limp, don't limp. Okay, he good. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those situations, but it was, 
it was damn good. It, it was damn good to see. Um, you know, damn shame about what happened with Aaron Rodgers from his own his own standpoint, the Jets franchise and their fan standpoint, and for fantasy, it just really, to my mind, really murders the value of Garrett Wilson. And he's a guy who I was looking forward to seeing really break out this year. Um, and yeah, as far as as far as uh, as far as the Bills go, oh buddy, did the digs eat? And Josh Allen didn't look great. But I'm not too worried about him. Um, you know, he played what was probably the number one defense in the league in their gym um, on opening night. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a great performance. He didn't do the smartest things or anything like that. But you know, what like we talked about last week, it was kind of to be expected that he wasn't going to necessarily ball out against that particular defense this week. They got the Raiders coming to Buffalo. Um, perfect time to bounce back. Um, I, I, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And we talked about that with Josh Allen and, you know, him going up against the Jets these past couple of years. It's been a struggle, and lo and behold, it was again. Going back to the Jets, I got two notes. Number one, Brees Hall was running back 11 on the week on 11 <laughs> touches. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> this man had... On those 11 touches, 10 of them were rushes. Half of them went for 20-plus yards. How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah, that's – How does that happen? Um, Well, at least, least, again, that's what Fantasy Pros is giving me here. But um, the other note I have for the Jets, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, man, this (laughs) – I can't even say it, but I'm all right. Here we go. Here are his next three games, Daryl. You ready? Or do you know it? Hit me. No, no, hit me. He's going to Dallas playing the Cowboys. He comes home, <laughs> comes home, plays the Patriots. Then he then he's at home again and plays the Chiefs. Then what well, I guess while I'm here, let me just do this before his bye week. Two more games before the bye, he goes to Denver and then comes back home for Philadelphia. Good luck. Ooh. Rest in peace, the Jets season. Um <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna need to I'm not sure what the what to do. I know um this I'll keep this like real short. I know when they did the Aaron Rodgers trade, there was some clause in there where if Rodgers played 60% or more of the snaps, then they um, then the Packers would get a first round pick from the Jets. Otherwise, that pick would be a second round pick. So now we know that that pick is going to be a second round pick. I wonder if the Jets then get their first round pick to trade back uh, because like they're gonna they're gonna need to do something. That defense is just too damn good to um, to just turn over and you know just light another year on fire. Um, they. I want them to do something. I hope they feel spurred to do something. Um, like this is this cannot stand, man. This this kind of like go get Jameis or something. Like this, right. you can't just play the year out with this dude. We've seen this story, man. We can't do this yeah. again. Anyway, I'm I'm done with that rant. Yeah, that just stinks, man. Like five games, three of them are against teams that were in the championship um, 
games last year, one of the other teams had an elite defense in the Broncos. And then, you know, the Patriots are probably coached by one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. That sucks. We move though. Um, Next, next topic, QB. Who? The top five quarterbacks on the week. We already talked about one of them with Tua. The other four, Mac Jones, Jordan Love, Anthony Richardson, and Deshaun Watson. Uh, Yeah. We got guys that are, you know, either not really drafted in leagues or guys that were, you know, late round QB options here. And here they are, the top five in week one. I'm going to hop in first here. I'm going to start with Jordan Love. Uh, Efficient day as far as like getting three touchdowns on 15 completions, but not efficient completion percentage wise, only completed 55% of his passes. But, you know, when you have playmakers like Aaron Jones and Romeo Dubs there to, you know, make some plays for you and a defense that holds as well, our Chicago offense being putrid, however you want to word that. Um, it wasn't really an impressive performance by Jordan Love, but, you know, you get three touchdowns in the NFL. Hey, 23 fantasy points. You rock with that. On my end, it's not something to where I'm looking to acquire him or have him starting, but he has, you know, gotten my eye as far as like a potential waiver wire QB when it comes towards bye weeks later on. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on maybe Love or any of these other guys? Yeah, for, for Love, like to, to your point about acquiring him, I think that if you're in a position where you're uh, intending to platoon quarterbacks, then he's maybe one that you go ahead roster and you know switch in switch out and whatnot as far as his performance i'm just you know just i'm just interested to see how he performs when he's going up against a non-bears defense and a team that has an offense that could kind of punch back and make them actually have to um make, make them have to you know make plays you know some do or die the games on the line plays um but I think in juicy matchups, I I would feel I feel okay about about throwing him in there. It, it was a good start. It was a good start. Um, of these of these guys, you know, we got kind of the super flex all stars here. Um, <laughs> I, I think that um, I think that Anthony Richardson he really caught my eye because with him, like we kind of got to see his fantasy proof of concept, right? Like, you know, he wasn't great as a passer, but he wasn't terrible. Got you two hundred plus passing yards and and a passing TD got you 40 rushing yards and a rushing TD like this was this was the thesis around drafting him this year um maybe the performances on the field maybe are vastly outstripped by the numbers that end up um, in your fantasy score at the end of the at the end of the week and that's more or less um what you got and the thing is too he could have had like even a slightly bigger day because he got he got injured, um, you know, when they were like they were they were in, like inside the five yard line. So he had a real strong chance to either throw or run for another touchdown. It could have um, it could have boosted his numbers up even more. So um, so yeah, it was it, it it was good to see like the the idea behind drafting him and what he could become. Like he really showed that um, in in kind of a floor case uh, the, this past week. So. Yeah, that really that really caught my eye. As far as um, like just real quickly on Deshaun and Mac, those were like two 
two very like pristine cases of it was bad on the field, but in the fantasy ledger, like it, all we care about are, are, are these points. Like ne- neither one of them played particularly well, but you know, Max threw the ball 54 times. Don't know if that's going to be a thing, but like his thing was a whole volume play. And then Deshaun ran for a touchdown and threw for another. And you know, that, yeah. um, that, that kind of floor case, like really shown through for, for why you drafted him. So, um, Oh yeah, that's, Deshaun, that's why you drafted him, you know, that rushing floor. And even if he has a bad day, he can get you, you know, same thing with Anthony Richardson. They, they can get you some points on the ground. So um, that was kind of good to see from a from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, from Deshaun's perspective, like, excuse me, the from the passing numbers and whatnot, like I, I kind of throw all that away. Like the weather was crappy out there. It was rainy, had a little wind going, obviously Burrow and – and you know Chase and Higgins didn't really uh, didn't really give you good days either. I just kind of throw all that away. What I look at is kind of like the routes run and things like that. And you know DPJ and Elijah were out there a good amount as well as Amari, even though he you know has some um, had to go to the medical tent. Um, so it was interesting to see those numbers there. Um, if you happen to be a fantasy manager that has David Njoku on your team, I would not be worried even though, you know, Harrison Bryant did get the touchdown, you know, David Njoku is a guy mainly running the routes out there. Um, He ran, well, he played 56 snaps, ran 26 routes, which was just below what DPJ and Elijah Moore did. So Njoku's definitely the tight end one in this room, and there'll be better days. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's keep it moving with some rookie talk let's go ahead and start with the atlanta carolina game uh the two rookies we had here of course were Bijan robinson ut stand up gang gang 10 for 56 on the ground six for 27 in the air with the touchdown with a move where he juked about two or three defenders and got in love to see it Bryce Young, uh, stat-wise, it was a little bit of struggle, but he had a couple of good passes in there. Uh, 20 for 38, 146 with a touchdown and two interceptions. What are your thoughts on these two rookies? Yeah, Bryce was Bryce was pretty bad. Um, and he threw 38 times for 146 yards and two picks. Um, you know, that offense just lacks pop, though, like from, from a receiver perspective, you know, who – you know, he, he doesn't really have a number one who's going to uh, who, who who could be his running mate along there with him. So, you know, it's it's only so much you could really blame on him. And that's kind of the curse of being the number one pick. You know, you're not you're not going to be the number one pick and then go walk into, you know, San Francisco's roster. You know, that's just right. <laughs> not the way not the way that works. Um, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be a long year for him. Um I could see a point in the year where he turns it around and makes himself like a super flex candidate or, you know, maybe a bi-week fill-in, but there's some there's some miles to go for, for him to get there, especially with that receiving core. Um, Bijan, the boy looks good, man. He he looks good, which is completely unsurprising. You know, had um had 16 opportunities, 10 rushing attempts, six targets, which isn't bad usage at all. Um, the only kind of fly in the ointment is that Tyler Algier ain't going nowhere, man. Um, yeah. 
Tyler Algier had 18 opportunities and he got all the goal line work. Um, and, you know, we don't know that that's the way things are going to be going, going forward. You know, if that's what Arthur Smith prefers that Tyler Algier, that Tyler Algier get the goal line work, but for that day, um, he did get all of it. So, you know, Bijan's in a full blown committee, you know, there's kind of a, you know, can he pay off his first round ADP? I mean, with 16 and or more opportunities a game, yeah, he probably can. Um, and you and I talked about this. Um, I think maybe maybe the other way to look at it is for what you had to pay to get Algier, you may have found yourself um, you, you may have found yourself some value. So, um, you know, that's congratulations to the Algier uh, managers. <laughs> out there um but you know they both they both they both they both look promising um those those pass catchers out there yeah hopefully they'll see better days but um but it looks so far like Bijan and, and Algier are gonna eat yeah in particular with Bijan you know you paid a first round pick value for him and you know he gave you I think it was like 20 fantasy points so you know from a from that perspective he paid off well there I understand people's concerns, though, with Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier probably mixing in more than what you thought. But I'm more so interested in how the snaps will play out if they're in a trailing script or something like that. And, of course, Algier saw targets in this game, too. But, you know, you have a first-round running back, and, you know, you're going to be trailing in the game, and he's a dynamic playmaker. I would expect him to play more. Now – are they going to have those type of games? I don't know, because they probably have one of the easier schedules. But they do have the Packers, the Lions, and Jaguars coming up. So I think we're going to get some data points here and find out some things really about this running back room. My yeah, other – you know, oh, to, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say my other note about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Mm. I think, I think there will be better days, but um, – <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be too much better than this because it's like, my goodness, man. I mean, again, they, they did dominate this game and Ritter only threw 18 passes, but, man, Drake London, zero? Like, no points? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's rough, man. Yeah, that's real rough. That's rough. Um, to kind of, I guess maybe to give a little bit more hope to the whole Bijan thing, he was out, out there for 77% of the routes. And he did see 80% of the long down and distance um, work. So it it looks to be like he is the main go-to guy for the passing down situation. So, you know, there there is that silver lining. And as we know, targets, um, yeah, targets are like kind of the most valuable bit of, um, of running back point accumulation. So there is that working working in his favor. Absolutely, absolutely. And... Bro, I am tired right now because I just ran a damn victory lap for my next rookie with Zay Flowers. I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all in my little Boosie's uh, daughter voice. Nine for 78 on 10 targets in the game against Houston. I'm just taking a little victory lap. I mean, we got 16, 17 other data points. 
and they may look worse. But right now, in this moment, we victory lap, baby. I told y'all as my faves, man. He has the, the opportunity to emerge as the one in this offense. And though he ran the second most routes behind Odell, you know who wasn't running a whole lot of routes? Rashad Bateman. You know who was sharing routes with him? Nelson Aguilar. Zay was out here, my guy. Zay was out here. What's your thoughts on Baltimore and the Houston matchup? In particular, Zay first, though. Well, yeah, it's things. it, it was really interesting with, with Zay. You know, I did not – I didn't think he would come out there and just – be that big of a target hog. Like he had, he had 50, he had 50% of the targets on the Woo. day. Like that was, 50. that was, that was incredible. Um, Five, you know, six, they, they, they really, they really schemed him up a lot. And um, his ADOT wasn't particularly impressive. His ADOT was 2.6. So, you know, right. they, they were trying to get him the ball close to the line of scrimmage. So it's the kind of thing where, Yes, it was impressive. Was it also kind of gimmicky? That'll that's yet to be seen. But but the thing we can draw away from it though was they thought enough of him to draw all that stuff up for for him, and that's kind of that's kind of the most important thing um, oh. with, with with him. Um, a, a little bit of con- so yeah, moving on from him, like a little bit of concern staying in the wide receiver room. Rashad Bateman only ran fifty seven percent of of the routes got to wait to see if that's like a thing of ramping him back up um, from the recurrence of his foot injury, you know, during, during training camp. Um, so that that's kind of a remains to be seen thing. And as far as the Ravens in general, Oh man, shout out to um, shout out to JK Dobbins who suffered um, a torn Achilles. Yeah. Um, so his season is over and, you know, just, it was thought of coming into the year that this was going to be a breakout year, the way the game was trending and the way he was playing. Yep. He was all over the damn place, making big plays. And then, you know, just as soon as it got ramped up, um, he, he sustained another, another big time injury. So, you know, shout out to him. Hopefully that's not all she wrote for him and we'll, we'll get to see him back, um, you know, next sometime next year. Yeah, hopefully we do uh, regarding J.K. I mean, I I hate seeing that. I mean, it was going to be a perfect year for him to emerge. But <sighs> injuries, man. Uh, going going back to Zay, I think that's a great point that you raised about his A dot, and I was going to talk about that as well after my victory lap. Had to get my breath. <laughs> it's just the fact, just the fact that like they came into the game and they were like, all right. Yeah, we're going to draw up these plays. We got these plays and we running them for Zay. Like that tells me a lot in game one that you're doing that for a wide receiver. So I'm expect, I mean, I'll, I'll expect bigger days from him and better ADOS for sure. But it was just good to see that um, in this game. Now, the other yeah. rookie in this game was CJ Strout. Uh, you know, it's pretty much what you could expect from a rookie quarterback 28 for 44, 242. Uh, passing yards. He didn't throw any picks. Number one, I'm impressed with that when you have 44 attempts. Um, again, this is a guy that, you know, he shouldn't be rostered in your normal redraft one QB leagues, but Nico Collins, man, six, yeah. 
six catches, 80 yards on 11 targets. Had a, I think, had an A dot around 14, 15 yards. Hey, yep, he may be a thing, man. Also, Robert Woods, six for 57, but you know, intriguing stuff there. Yeah, Robert Woods, one of my most like rostered players, like when it got to the 17th, 18th round um, in best ball, just because you know. He's a, he's a professional. He's going to be out there, and he knows what he's doing as far as, like, at the very least getting those six, seven, eight-yard uh, targets and getting down <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, with, with Nico, 28 point, 28% targets per route run. He saw 26% of the targets overall. Love it. Um, the only thing that's kind of concerning about him, he was only out there for 72% of the routes, but – that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of a funky game, um, you know, and and so, you know, I don't know how many more of the Texans games will be competitive and whatnot, but like they were down big for a good bit of that of that game. So maybe the maybe the um, route participation numbers were a little bit a little bit skewed. But one thing that wasn't skewed, he saw 64 percent of the team's air yards that day. So dang, dang. it seems like, you know, it seems like he is CJ's big play guy um as far as cj himself goes you know he's a rookie on the road against the damn ravens um you know you <laughs> could not have the expectation that he was going to light the world on fire but i thought he acquitted himself pretty well especially given how banged up the texans um offensive line is i think they're down at least two but maybe three of their intended starters on the offensive line so you add that to rookie plus Baltimore, and it's like um, it's good that he was able to walk out of the building and having not thrown any picks. Absolutely. And <clears throat> excuse me, absolutely agree with you on that. Um, yeah, as far as the number of snaps played and whatnot, they were rotating wide receivers like Robert Woods played the most at 58 snaps out of 77. So, yeah, guys were rotating in and out. It, but it was for sure Robert Woods, Nico, and Noah Brown were kind of the three guys that played the most snaps. Let's get off of that. Let's get to the next rookie, our rookies we have with the, excuse me, the Seahawks and Rams game. Puka Nakua, what is up, my guy? 10 for 119 on 15 targets. He want to be Cooper Cup so bad, bro. <laughs> uh talk to me about puka man you got any interesting intriguing stats on him for us this performance just think of the diana the diana ross song that was so skillfully and artfully sampled for uh by the notorious big i'm coming out yes, um, sir. this boy is hey amen you know people have been beating the drum on him like since around draft season and I kind of half paid attention. I kind of half didn't, um, you know, just on the strength of what people were saying, he was a guy that I would grab with like my 18th pick and best ball drafts, but um, I never thought too much of it, but then, you know, Cooper cup goes down with the recurrence of his hamstring injury and Puka is forced into service. And the man came up big 90% of the routes, 40% targets per route run. 39% of the targets, 35% of the air yards. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that's most important to me is that he did the majority of his work lined up on the outside, not from the slot. 
But what does that mean when Cooper Cup comes back? Mm-hmm. Puka don't have to go anywhere. Now, his, you know, those gaudy, you know, even even before Cooper Cup comes back, those gaudy um, usage statistics will probably come down because I mean, not even Jerry Rice could keep could keep this kind of um, could keep this kind of target hog pace going. But the point is, I think you, you know, and we'll get to this in waivers, but I don't think you have to be too scared off of him, even when Cup comes back. And you know, God bless Cooper Cup, but we don't know that he's necessarily going to be back like week five um, for, for certain, you know, that's the earliest he could be back. But um, so yeah, man, Puka came out and showed that he's the real deal. And to me, if a guy shows you what he, what this dude just showed you, like you err on the side of rostering that dude and seeing if this is legit instead of like trying to slow play it and, and whatnot, because It'll be going into week two. You could get a guy like this for like the rest of the year. And if he's even half of what he did on Sunday, you didn't got somebody for the low that could that could really change your season. Um, do you got any notes on Puka? No, I, I don't have anything on Puka. I'll mention Tutu Atwell had the same amount of yards on six receptions on eight targets. I mean, Puka and Tutu, man. I'm I'm sure there's some kind of shirt or something there that's brewing with their names that that can be brewed up for these next four weeks without cooper cup um but yeah overall the rest the rest of this game pretty impressive that the rams won it but uh i'll talk about the running game in in the waiver section you want to hop on jsn yeah yeah yeah. so jackson smith and jigba it was you know back when you know a couple weeks back when he broke a bone in his wrist it was considered like a foregone conclusion that he wouldn't play in this game. And he did play, ran 68% of the routes, mm-hmm. saw 26% of the targets when he was out on the field. That's damn, damn impressive. Um, I think he was at like 18% of the targets um, for for the day. So, you know, a, a guy, yeah, 18% of the targets uh, he saw like team-wide. So, you know, this was this was a very very good performance from from a guy who's playing in his first game with a not one hundred percent wrist and he is a wide receiver he needs his wrist. Um, I I just thought this was kind of I thought this was an impressive performance for for a rookie who's flanked on either side by DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who who both themselves you know they had they had fairly fairly impressive usage numbers them themselves um the offense wasn't particularly great though like kind of surprisingly um but you know we, we, we can maybe talk about that later they, they did go down a couple of linemen during the game so maybe that's what threw things off for them as a whole but yeah just want to shout out that performance from jsn um given that it was his first game and that he garnered such kind of a hefty target share with two um with two pro bowl receivers surrounding him yeah i mean that just kind of tells you about the talent and the trust that they have in him to come out here and see five targets to tie with dk and um kenneth walker in that number kenneth walker with five targets all right interesting um but yeah that that's all i had on seattle you want to to this last ricky we got yeah so sam laporta 
um, came out. Sammy Ports. You know, yeah, like what feels like five weeks ago. Um, and then Casey, <laughs> Casey hosting the Detroit Lions, Sam reported Lions tight end, finished tight end eight on the week. And, you know, maybe that's not so impressive given this particular tight end week. But, again, this man's a rookie. So came out tight end eight, caught all five of his targets for 39 yards. That's not bad. Again, judging on the rookie scale, was out there for 86% of the routes. He is their tight end. He is their tight end one. He is their receive. Well, they're receiving tight end one. Saw 16% targets per per pass snap. You know, he just some big paws on a puppy type of type of thing right now. So um, he's a guy that he needs to be rostered. He's he's going to be used and like all the theorizing around like okay until Jameson Williams gets back. Have Amon Ra, uh, Jameer, uh, and who else? It's going to be Laporta. It's looking like it's going to be Laporta. Like after they saw this performance, they have to ratchet up the trust slash the um, the number of plays that are drawn up for him because he shows like he can handle it. He can produce. So um, shout out to that man. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like the underlying metrics that you said there and whatnot. That's the tight end that you want to have on your roster and be starting. I'm perfectly fine with starting him if you're in that position where, you know, you didn't get one of those, you know, Kittle, Goddard's, man, they both of them struggle, but uh, Waller, you know, one of those guys. I'm perfectly fine starting Sam Laporta, especially, again, with Jamison out. Like, he should demand targets in that offense, and he had five of them against KC, so I love it. All right. Well, we're out of the wrap up on to week two stuff we're looking at, but let's start it off with some waivers, AKA I got five on it. Hey, hey, play my music. (laughs) All right. I got five on it. A reference to the song by loons from years ago. We saying we got five on it because we're talking about putting down money, on the waivers for these guys fake money of course you should be doing your waivers with bidding if you're not you're not serious out here let's start with running backs <laughs> <laughs> it was some shade i'm being stupid man let's start running back so um kenneth gainwell was a guy i had written immediately that came to my mind um now, the thing that that sucks with this is that he did not practice today um dealing with a rib injury, but you know, his stats this past week, as I pull them up, he was basically the running back one on this team. He played 62% of the snaps, saw 61% of the rushing attempts and was out there for 42% of the routes that led the running back room all across the, all across the area and had a 25% target per route run. We talked, I talked about this in my phase section of DeAndre Swift. It looks like Gainwell is the number one in this running back room, but again, he's dealing with the rib injury, so there's a possibility he may not play, but you still should be picking him up. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, the running backs for Baltimore. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick, with that, with that though, um, 
You also probably want to give a look to picking up Rashard Penny um, in case he was dropped as well, in case Gainwell is unable to go. I know Penny was a healthy scratch this past week, but you know, as an insurance policy against Gainwell not playing, it couldn't hurt to stash um, Penny away um, on on your roster as well. And I'd be I'd be will if if Gainwell doesn't play, I'd be willing to play Penny in my flex. So um, I just okay. want to piggyback those two Philadelphia um, backs together. For sure, good good call on that. The next running back, our backs are the Baltimore Raven running backs with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. We talked about J.K. Dobbins having the unfortunate injury. Um, I'll pose it to you, Daryl. Which one of these two would you be prioritizing? Um, I think, to be honest, I don't want to deal with the. Um, I don't want to deal with the Baltimore um, backfield. You know, with Dobbins not there because, you know, they just called up Melvin Gordon. It's gonna. It's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a nightmare trying to choose when to start each one of these guys. But you asked me a question. So um, I think I favor Justice Hill because I feel like he'll be the passing down back. We saw him get work. Uh, we saw him get some goal line work just this past week. I do think Gus Edwards is a better is a better runner, though. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I personally would want to steer clear, but if I had to put some money down, I guess I'd go Justice Hill. For sure, for sure. And and yeah, these are, I mean, obviously, if you were a manager of J.K. Dobbins, like, these are two guys that you should be looking at. But honestly, I would prioritize Gainwell if he's available over these two. Um, the next running back, Josh Kelly, we talked about him earlier, uh, what he did in the game versus Miami. And look, we don't know if that's how this offense is going to be so run heavy and run dominant, but he looked good out there. And so at the worst, you have a handcuff to Austin Eckler. And we know how Austin Eckler gets down with the Chargers. So I don't mind that ad as well. And then I'll, I'll highlight this other one and you can go about these other guys. Uh, Kyron Williams, man. Uh, Yeah, so wasn't on many people's radars, but – this man saw 67% of the snaps as compared to his teammate Cam Akers, but Cam Akers saw 56% of the rushing attempts, put up an amazing 22 for 29 stat line with a touchdown that saved his fantasy um, performance. Um, yeah, it appears Kyron is the, the running back one in this offense from a snap percentage and probably uh, a passing route as well. So, I would prioritize looking at him as well. Yeah. Um, to, to circle back to Josh Kelly, um, it looks like he there's a there's a there's an indication that he could have some standalone value. Number one. Number two, um okay. Eckler Eckler is reported to have an ankle injury right now. That's um, right. We we don't know the severity of it. So I imagine you may have to go kind of hard in the paint fab wise to get your hands on Kelly because all right, last week saw 45% of the snaps, 47% of the rushing attempts. Um, you know, he wasn't much in the passing game, but it, it showed that he's clearly the number two there. And if anything happens to Eckler, 
he steps up and he looked good. You know, he 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 did look good as you as you mentioned. So um, you know, I would be I I think he's probably the the guy I would go after the most after um after Gainwell. And you know, if if Gainwell's out on your waivers, I think I think he's he's my number two um player, you know, if, if we're assuming Gainwell is healthy and is gonna play and all that kind of stuff. So um so yeah. Am I am I up next with um with, with my guys? Yeah, talk talk to me about these guys. Okay, so guys, I think um, some sort of honorable mention types. Um, Roshan Johnson, you know, he's definitely in a committee in Chicago, uh, but he saw thirty five percent of the routes last week. Um, had a 41% targets per route run, saw 67% of the long down and distance snaps, basically the passing, the obvious passing down snaps. So it seems that they intend to use him as the passing down back. And even though he's in a bit of a committee, you know, you look at the Bears team, it's not too hard to imagine um, that they're going to find themselves in some negative game scripts where they're going to want their passing down back out there. Um, you know, there's there's that angle of it. And two, you know, this backfield is still in a little bit of flux. You know, there was a um, pretty significant split. Now, as far as the rushing stuff goes, I think that uh, Dante Foreman is clearly the, uh, the the second, like, rushing back in, the, in that backfield. But Roshan looks – you know, there's indications that he's Roshan is carving out the passing downs role, and that's yeah. something that has some value. That's the you know, as Dwayne McFarlane always talks about, like that's the harder thing for a running back to get a piece of. Like if you can get a piece of the passing down stuff, it's easier to work your way into the rushing stuff than it is going vice versa. So um, I think it could very well be wise to put a chip onto him. Um, Tajay Spears. This past week saw 56% of the snaps, 50% of the routes, had a 20% targets per route run, and saw 91% of the long down and distance. Um, he's the Tennessee Titans back up back, uh, by the way. Uh, looks like he's the passing down back in Tennessee. You know, obviously the big dog is going to eat when it comes to the rushing work, that as he should, as he should. But Tajay showed well. The kid looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he has the ball or when he's on the field. Um, so he's somebody I think if you have room on your bench, needs to be rostered. And lastly, Travion Williams. Uh, he seems, you know, there was there's a little bit of cloudiness, murkiness around who would be the um, who would be the backup to Joe Mixon this year. And it looks as though Travion um has that role for now. So um I think if you're in the if you're in a space where you have room for a handcuff, um, I, I think Trevion would wouldn't be a bad bet either. Um, you know, he, he's he's my last guy on this list of guys that we have mentioned, but um, but but still, you know, it seems that things have settled in his favor as far as the backup work in Cincinnati. Word up, good suggestions there. Let's get to the wide receivers with Puka Nakua, and we got Tutu Atwell, both wide receivers for the Los Angeles Rams. 
I would prioritize Puka just from him seeing more targets. But I think both of these guys should be off of waiver wires immediately. Uh, my next guy I have here, Jaden Reed. I like what I saw when he was out there, but it's not a priority that you pick him up. Uh, it was one of those things where he was mainly out there as the third wide receiver, um, even with Christian Watson out. But it's very clear that they're going to play him in a slot role, at least from preseason, what we got there and what we saw in this first game. So he's going to have some times where he may have a couple of games here or there, but it's not somebody that you need to rush out and get, but it's somebody that I think is a better roster spot than say, like if you had Devin Singletary or if you drafted Alex Pierce or something like that, at least currently. Um, Nico Collins talked about him earlier. Um, I think most, probably most leagues he's probably picked up, but if he's not, scoop him. And then Zay Jones. Um, I don't have the metrics in front of me, but he was out there a lot as as a wide receiver with Calvin Ridley. Um, Christian Kirk is kind of relegated to a slot role there. Um, and I think Christian Kirk will have better days, but I think Zay Jones is a good wide receiver five to have on your bench and to have available when bye weeks come around. Yeah. Um, Zay, Zay Jones had, he had himself a nice week, man. He made one of the catches mm -hmm. of, of the week. Um, as far as his production goes, he was out there for 94% of the routes. Like he, he's when they're in two, um, in two wide receiver sets, he's going to be out there. Um, yep. he had a 21% target share on the week and he saw 33% of their air yards. So, um, Zay Jones, Zay Jones is getting used when he's out on the field. That's for, that. that's for certain. I want to, I want to circle back to what you said about Jaden Reed. You know, he has some good underlying metrics too. He was only out there for 64% of the pass snaps, you know, and mm -hmm. it was basically only when they were in three wide receivers. But when he was out there, you know, for the past snaps he was out there, he saw a 28% target share. And in total, he saw 34% of the team's air yards last yeah. week. So, you know, there's – he's a guy that certainly needs to be on rosters. Um, could definitely, you know, maybe what the heck flex or fill in once the bye weeks starts to hit here in a few weeks and, and or just to see kind of what shakes out with him because he's already getting this kind of production. Um, you know, game one as a rookie. Um, as for guys that I have to suggest, um, the first guy I have is Kendrick Bourne. I know, I know a piece of the Patriots um, passing game, but he was out there for 93% of their pass snaps at a 21% um, target per route run, and he saw 33% of their air yards. So that's... Um, that's a, that's a fair bit of production. You have to kind of take that with a bit of a grain of salt because Devontae Parker did not play this past week. So, you know, things things could change once Devontae Parker gets back. But Kendrick Bourne was productive when he was out there. So um, I think if you're in a position where you're able to churn over the last couple spots on your roster, you, you're in a league where you have deep benches, um, I think you could do worse than him. Um, I'd also like to point out Rashid Shahid. He's also like under 50% owned. 
He only saw 68% of the pass snaps, but he saw 26% of the areas. He's their deep threat. And Derek Carr does like to throw the ball deep. That's one thing he will do. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Rashid, he may not quite, you know, he may he may be in that same Jaden Reed bucket, a guy that you maybe don't start necessarily every week, but also he shouldn't be out on 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 waivers. And just, you know, to kind of sweeten the pot, when, when Shahid was out on the field, he saw 24% of the targets. So that's not nothing. Um, the last guy I want to throw in there, this is kind of a, kind of a, a bit of a punt play. Um, so this is one of those, again, deep benches, you know, if you have the room, I want to point out Rashi Rice. Um, he was only out on the field for 28% of the route. That's not great at all. But when he was out there, he saw 45% of the targets. So, you know, we, we know that, that, um, that Kansas city, Receiver room is in flux. Um, Guy Moore just pulled a disappearing act. Kadarius Tony wishes he could disappear. Um, <laughs> things could things could work out to where Rashi Rice potentially bubbles up to 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 the top as one of the you know maybe maybe he doesn't overtake. Um, I think it was I think it was uh, Valdez Scantling and Justin Watson who ran like kind of the most routes. Maybe Rashi Rice is able to bubble up as the slot receiver, maybe overtake Sky Moore. Again, he's not a guy I'm saying you definitely need to go get, but you know he's like a, if you have room on your roster, if you want to get these guys today before they blow up tomorrow, he might be a guy to think about. For sure, for sure. Let's get to these tight ends. First up, I have Luke Musgrave, the tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Um, good week one for him. He was on 80% of the routes, saw a 17% target per route run, and had an A dot of about 18 yards. And I think a lot of that was probably influenced by that busted play where uh, Jordan Love fumbled the ball and linebackers came up and it's like, oh, look, Luke Musgrave is open. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, just those metrics and the performance that he had, the three for 50, it warrants enough to roster him, especially if you're in a tight end um, flux, if you will. And then Hunter Henry, the tight end for the New England Patriots, had himself a good game. I think he was tight end two on the... He was tight end one. Uh, he was tight end one. That's right. He was tight end one on the week, had five receptions for 56 yards and a tutty. Um, yeah, Mac Jones was looking his way, man. And again, if you need to stream or if you're in the tight end premium, this should be a guy that should be rostered. Yeah, Hunter Henry is, you know, he's going to be the, a red zone weapon for them, probably their primary red zone weapon. Um, I'm totally on board with that. Um I have a few tight ends here, and I'm just going to preface it by saying, yeah, it's a little ugly, but the tight end scene, the tight end scene ain't pretty. So um, first guy I would like to mention is Logan Thomas. Um, He had an 84% route participation this past week. When he was out on the field, he saw 26% of the targets. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. That's opportunity, and that's kind of what you're looking for at tight end at, at, at this point, especially if you're somebody who's down Kelsey Andrews, um, 
you know, potentially Waller at, at any time, potentially Kittle at any time. I feel like maybe there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, Logan Thomas, another participation all-star was Durham Smythe. He played 100% of the pass snaps for the Dolphins this past week. Saw 16% of the targets when he was out there, which was all the time. So he saw 16% of the targets in general. Again, um, chasing opportunity. Um, another guy is Zach Ertz. This was super ugly because, you know, Cardinals. But um, he was out there for 91% of the routes. Saw 33% of the targets when he was on the field. Opportunity. That's uh, that's kind of the name of the game in this ugly tight end landscape. So, um, you know, if those guys are out on your waivers, you have some options to where, you know, check the matchups, see which one of them has the weakest matchup at tight end. Give give some serious thought to um, to putting them on your to putting them on your team. To the quarterback we go. I have down here Brock Purdy. Um, he's 40% rostered overall, according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, QB 10 this past week against Pittsburgh had two touchdowns on 220 yards. Just kind of a typical or what you would think Brock Purdy game would be. Uh, this this upcoming week, he has the Rams. And, you know, Rams kind of did their thing against Geno, but you know, if you happen to be one of those managers that had Aaron Rodgers, Brock Purdy's on the, excuse me, on the waiver wire, look that way. Uh, getting even a little bit grittier, Mac Jones. I said it. Not happy I said it, but Mac Jones. Did that feel he's good? At, he's at, no, it didn't feel good. He's at home this week, uh, 46 and a half over under numbers, so some decent scoring expected as they go up against the Dolphins to which my goodness, man, the schedule makers hate the Dolphins. They send them boys all the way out West and then they got to come all the way back East to play the Patriots. Oh man. But Mac Jones. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you're, again, if you're a Rogers manager, he's out for the season. I think this is a chance, opportunity. You know, Justin Herbert has some success passing-wise. It wasn't the greatest game for him, but, again, it's a possibility here that Mac Jones could do a little something and, you know, maybe give you another QB1 performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, desperate desperate times, right? Desperate um, measures. You know, you know, yeah, especially if, um, if you were left in the lurch because of Rodgers. Um, I think another guy to consider in there, and I only have one guy to touch on, and that is uh, that's Derek Carr. Um, and basically, the the thesis behind the Derek Carr play is he has great weapons and an easy schedule. Um, you know, Mike Mike Michael Thomas. He showed that he's that he's back. Maybe he's not. You know, maybe he's not. Michael Thomas from what 2018, 2019, maybe he's not that guy, but he's still good. Chris Olave balled out. Rashid Shahid is a very above average deep threat. In a couple weeks' time, he gets Alvin Kamara back. And again, um, the Saints were um they were estimated to have the easiest schedule by opponent um 
by their opponents over under for wins. So um, yeah, if you're if you're in alert, I think that I think that Derek Carr could be a good option, um, and especially if you're in a situation where like you're platooning your your, your quarterbacks. Um, you know, if you're carrying two quarterbacks, I think, and you know you're you're mixing and matching them depending on the on the matchup that given week. I think he'd be um, a good a good player to add to your rotation. So yeah, that's the, the, that's the only that's the only QB I wanted to really uh, put words to. Yeah, and I like the I like the Derek Hall pick, Derek Carr pick there, um, mainly because like, you know, Jamal Williams isn't great. He's not bad, and you know, Atlanta ran all over Carolina. I don't see New Orleans doing the exact same. And Derek right. Carr did throw for over 300 yards last week, despite having only one touchdown and one interception. So, yeah, I think if New Orleans is going to move the ball, like Alave, Shahid, Michael Thomas, use those weapons with Derek Carr. So I love it. Yeah, for these next two weeks, like there's no way the game plan is going to be let's feed Jamal Williams. Like that's right. That's not That's not how that's going to work. <laughs> right, right. Well, we're out of the waivers, my man. Let's get to that last segment of the DBB, the Brothers Battle. The way that we battle here on the fan, on this fantasy pod is by doing a bet sheet where we place a bet on every NFL game, either the spread or the over-under. And we do this for 18 weeks. And the winner gets a nice dinner, whoever has the best record. So starting with the records this week, Daryl went seven and nine. And I went 10, five and one. Seven and nine is a 43.8 percentage. And 10 and five and one is a 66.7 percentage. You hater. (laughs) <laughs> to the actual sheet itself, though, I'll hand it off to you, Daryl. Any of these picks you're thinking now, like, what was I doing? Or you were like, ooh, okay, appreciate that. Um, no, things I got mad at. Um, so, shoot, talking, yeah, we were just talking about the Saints, the Saints-Tennessee game. It is late in the fourth quarter. Tennessee has not been moving the ball well. They get the ball over into the Saints half of the field. They're down four points. They have a fourth and medium to go. Again, have not been moving the ball well. Fourth and medium, Rabel elects to kick a field goal, which they make. So it goes from a four-point game to a one-point game. The spread, what I took was the Saints minus three and a half, I want to say it was. It's minus three, Uh, I believe. Okay, Saints minus three. So he takes a field goal to turn a four-point game into a one-point game. They never saw the ball again. (laughs) I mean, I didn't need them to see the ball again, but the point was, the point was, you know your offense isn't moving the ball. Why would you forfeit a chance when you're down? Anyway, um, yeah, so that... That that really that that really burned me up because 
they should have gone for it and not gotten it. And then the Saints would have covered. Um, so that right. uh, <laughs> that one that one burned me up a little bit. And there was one other one. Oh, um, Jacksonville Indy. I took um, I took the Colts plus the five and a half, and the score ended Jacksonville thirty one, Indy twenty one, and Indy really pushed them, like and, and Indy really really pushed them in that game. And if you go and look at the underlying metrics, like Trevor Lawrence did not have a good game by like EPA metrics and whatnot in in, in that game, um, and. I really, I just really thought that I was going to hit that one. I didn't have a good read on that game or anything like that, but just the way that the Colts were playing, I was kind of impressed by them and was really, really kind of hoping that they would have, um, that they would have pulled off that cover. But I think if I remember incorrectly, um, Anthony Richardson threw like a backbreaker of an interception um, that the, that the, that the Jaguars turned around and scored on like a few plays later. Um, yeah. But yeah, those th- those two stick out the most in my head from from the weekend. For sure, for sure. Well, before I start off, um, unders again this year, just like last year, it was a whole lot of them. Uh, this year they went twelve, three, and one. Specifically with my picks, I picked four unders and I went three, three and zero oh in one. So. Shout outs to the early unders. Those numbers will definitely tighten up um, as the season goes on. I guess my two things were, excuse me, um, Buffalo and New York, right? Yeah, once Aaron Rodgers went down, it was like, yeah, mm. this this under's in the bag. <laughs> that, yeah. that was my initial thought. And it's like, yeah, easy money there. And then um, – Washington and Arizona, I did go with Washington minus seven, one of the few picks that I took the L on. You like that? Um, yeah, they they really outplayed Arizona. Like, Arizona was struggling to move the ball at all. Uh, Washington just had two, you know, bad turnovers with the pick and then the Howell fumble. And I think one of those turned into points for Arizona. I think it was a uh, uh, field goal, which probably would have helped here because I think that would have got me a push at least instead of a L. But we move on. 10, 5, and yeah. 1 to start off. I love it. Washington, uh, man, they Arizona really pushed them to the, to the brink in that game. Like That game wasn't in the bag until sometime within like five minutes of the game ending. Um, yeah. That was... Yeah. And so that's a little bit concerning about those about those newly owned commanders. It was, it was. I guess one other thing before we flip to, to week two and look at those lines. Uh Pittsburgh. Raw raw spot. Mm. No. The raw raw spot is this week. The raw raw ah, spot is gonna be this week. That's okay. Okay. That's what's going on. Yeah, 30 to 7 in your home gym. That's not good, but TJ Watt played well, so. Salute to him. Yeah. All right. Week two lines. Um, anything stand out to you immediately? It's um, so Indianapolis at Houston. Indy's favorite by one and a half. Um, I, I think I like the Houston side of that. I feel like 
I feel like that game should be a pick. I, I feel like that's severe disrespect to the Texans. But then again, I did say that very same thing last week about the Texans and uh, the Texans and the and the Ravens. So maybe maybe I'm just being a homer with uh, with, with that one. And also, well, before your next before you go to your next one, okay. I have also seen where it was flipped the other way where it was um Indy plus a point and a half. So yeah, I, th- I think the books are just kind of iffy on that one regardless, but I, I don't think, think that line's going to settle up until like uh, up until kickoff like that that thing's going to be moving. Right. I think whoever ends up getting plus money on the money line, I may end up just taking um but yeah, go on <laughs> to go on to your next one or whatever you had left. Yeah, so um, Cincy laying three and a half at home to Baltimore. I find that I find that one interesting as well because the the Bengals just played a stinker against against the Browns. But then again, it is kind of that is kind of their their mo lately. Like they just have trouble with with, with the Browns. I think Baltimore is a significantly better team. That, well, not significantly better, but I think Baltimore's probably in a better place than. Actually, I, no, 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 no. Let me pull back. Let me pull back. Let me pull back. I may, I maybe need to, I maybe need to think on that one a little bit more. I retract everything I said um, about that game. That was first impressions getting me out over my skis right there. <laughs> what, what's shouting at you from the week two stuff? Uh, week two, week two, man. Uh, I got two things. So. First one, looking at Seattle going to Detroit, I believe they played last year in Detroit, and that game was points galore. I'll have to verify that. But Detroit's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I want to look at Pete Carroll's stats of him being more than a three-point favorite and losing and what he did the next week when he's a dog of more than three points. I'm interested oh. to see. I'm interested to see what that spot looks like for him. But man, five and a half. Like I know that they were bad in that second half, but that team. I don't think that team is five and a half point w- worse than Detroit. But I'll, I'll look into the numbers on that. The next one, um, you know, you got cross country trip angle here, and I'm interested in that. Like Miami going out to the Chargers and. The Chargers were a three-point favorite, and now Miami's going to New England, and they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I would love if that line was maybe three for New England because then I would probably hammer it. But, yeah, I'm interested in that number. That's that's interesting to me. Okay, and just to circle back, um, the rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot, they're catching two-and-a-half from Cleveland. At and, home, uh, too. And- at home, yeah. Oh, okay. on prime time in front of the holes too. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, you have Monday written down here twice. Are there two Monday night games next week? There are two Monday night games. I believe there are two Monday night games next week as well. I did not know that. Okay. I never knew. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's two, it's two this coming week and then two next week. Usually they do two Monday night games on opening week, but I don't know. Right. 
Don't ask me. I'm with it. I'm with it either way. Indeed, indeed. Well, yeah, that's all I got on this. You got any other ones that stand out to you? No, that that's all upon first impression that that I have. But best believe I will be digging in. I got survivor picks to make. Same here, my guy. I survive. Shout out to the Washington Commanders. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Same here. Skated by the skin of our teeth. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to us on the week one recap. We'll be back later this week to give you the week two preview. We'll preview some matchups. Uh, probably have a little I can do that, a little, a.k.a. our buy or sell segment. And then we'll give our picks. For the Thursday night game, I believe that is the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. So that should be an interesting game as well. Before we get out of here, Daryl, you got anything for the good people? Football's back. We rolling, baby. Yes, Mess sir. <laughs> yes, sir. We are rolling indeed. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's Derek, my brother Daryl. We out. Have a good one. Peace.